L-A-S. Friends with Marketing Benefits is brought to you by... I'm Jason Alberti. And I'm Lindsay Prince. I am a dad of two boys, a comedy writer, and I love medieval literature. I'm the mom of two girls, a comedy writer, and I love TikTok. Hey, we've got a new podcast. And it's called What Do You Want to Talk About? We talk about everything from almond milk lattes to xenophobia. New episodes every Monday. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. What Do You Want to Talk About is produced and distributed by the LAS Podcast Network in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. For more information, you can visit laspodcastnetwork.com. Hey, Lindsay, did I tell you the story about Scarpe the Njalsson when he was in Iceland and he was dying because he was under this log on fire and he pulls out this molar and he whips it into Thurl Thurlson's eye? No, I don't understand most of what you just said. Oh. Oh, Jason, did I tell you that Billie Eilish got bangs? What's a Billie Eilish? L-A-S. Would you look at us? Look at us here, making a show again. It's been too long. It's been too long, everybody. Friends with Marketing Benefits is back. I'm Logan Schultz. I had a baby. I did the thing, and we put this show on a bit of a hiatus, a bit of a break. And uh, and now we're back. We've got a slew of fantastic guests ahead of us. We're going to be bringing you bi-weekly episodes with fantastic local marketers, people making the things happen in the area, and they're going to share their insight with all of you, you entrepreneurs, you business owners, you uh, you leaders of bands, you your whatever your project is, we got something for you. All right, I'm going to be joined by Alex Schulte, and I'm going to introduce our guest in just a moment. But before I do any of that, I want to remind you that this show is produced and distributed by the LAS Podcast Network, and it comes out now every other Tuesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts, whatever feels right for you. Um, Also, if you enjoy this show, if you like any of our other projects on the LAS Podcast Network, which you should go check out, consider subscribing to LAS Plus. It is $10 a month. It's a premium subscription. It gets you ad-free versions of all of our shows. It gets you exclusive early access to some of our shows. It gets you bonus episodes of this show and other podcasts. It gets you access to live events, which we have coming up very soon. We'll tell you more about that. Friends with Marketing Benefits is definitely going to be on that live show list. Um, so consider supporting local the best way we know how, LAS+. Plus. Alex. Hey. Hi, how's it going? Thank you so much Good. for for coming back on the show with me. We're bringing it back to life. Yeah, I'm so ex- so excited that the show is happening again. Um, it was a, a a sad hiatus, but a necessary one. And like you said, we've got a bunch of really amazing hosts lined up. So this show is is. We're the hosts. Bigger, sorry, guests. <laughs> we've got new hosts. Everybody, I know, I know you're confused. We're the hosts. It's been too long. Wait, what? <laughs> I know. God, it's, it has been too long. I forgot what I'm doing here. Wait, what year is it? You know what else was really long? How long it took you to come into the room at the top of this episode. God. It's like, you... I gotta fill space. Here's all this stuff. I really thought we were going... See, my head. 
You know what else is really long? What, Logan? What? Oh, it's not that. It's not this show. <laughs> this is our professional business show, Alex. It is, and I need to remember that with my with my dirty jokes. Keep that to your podcast. Sure. Cross promo. Go listen to One Word Stories. One Word Stories. Speaking of cross promo, um, we have a fantastic professional here in our studio with us. Dude, thank you. <laughs> um, you hear the laughter of our actual guest, <laughs> who probably should be the host of this show, all things considered. <laughs> be a much better host of this show, let's be honest. <laughs> that's what the people come for. They come for the banter, and then they come for the professional insight. And that's not from us, all right? Uh, that's from our fantastic guest, who today is Joe Coffey. Hi, Joe. Hey, hey. Thanks for having me on, guys. Are you kidding? Thank you so much for taking the time. Seriously, yeah. what a privilege and an honor to have you in the studio oh, with us. You're too kind. Too kind. So uh, I was kind of surprised. Joe, we'll get to your story and who you are in just a moment, but I was surprised that you two hadn't met each other before. It felt to me like, we, you know, both being musicians, um, both being involved in, in community oh, development work. That's right. Yeah. What do you play, Joe? Drums. You're a drummer. I knew that. Bamboozlers? Yes. And you guys just finished up the Bamboozlers. We did. Yeah, final gig fairly recently. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. I mean, it's all for good reason because life keeps moving and life yeah. keeps happening. Yeah. You know, usually yeah. bands break up because, you know, Paul McCartney needed to go solo or whatever. Right. Or, uh, right. Well, Joe Coffey's going solo. That's what it is. <laughs> did, did, I was gonna, did you get Yoko'd? <laughs> <laughs> I am dropping a solo album tomorrow. All drums. <laughs> all drums. I all love drums. <laughs> We promise it's at least as good as Ringo's solo album. It's I love it. Awesome. That's but great. yeah, I'm also surprised that our paths have never crossed. You're a name that keeps popping up in, in my world, uh, especially since we've stepped into the podcasting realm. Yeah. But post-COVID, I, I I didn't really know about you before these times, but um, now I'm aware. I, I saw you first on the Steve Shriver podcast, right um, and I was checking out your equipment like Hardcore. I literally, I paused it. You want to talk gearheads? Zoomed in. Joe Coffey, number one gearhead. Uh, At least number three. I I would be self-conscious about our gear if we weren't getting it all from Joe. (laughs) (laughs) So, Joe, yeah, you're actually doing uh, LAS Podcast Network is solid. We're we're getting some equipment from you because you're making a life change. Yeah, yeah, spreading some things out, heading to Chicago, yeah. uh, working in both cities uh, for who knows how long, but right. kind mm-hmm. of getting a foot over there to spread mm-hmm. out what I do. It's an exciting adventure. It is. It is. I've made quite a few moves in my life, and uh, but when I stop and think about it, I haven't done a big one since '99 when I came here. Wow. So the whole move thing doesn't scare me. I kind of miss it. I feel like my body's like, where are we going next? It's time. Yeah. But yeah, so it, it's it's time and, uh, you know. And what better time than, you know, right after a pandemic? Exactly. The world's yeah. opening back up again. It's, yeah. it's time to live. Yeah. Well, on that note, will you do us a solid and just tell us a little bit about who you are? What's your story? If you were going to comprise years and years of your life down into, I don't know, 10 minutes. What does that feel like? <laughs> oh, man. Crazy. Oh, I guess maybe the overarching theme or thesis could be that uh, I get tired of stuff after about seven years and I do something new. Excellent. A couple of times it's been two or three, but I've never been fired. I just uh, realized, hey, I've done this enough. I'm going to move on and do something else. So I got here to Cedar Rapids as the weekend news anchor for KCRG. Um, I did the uh, 6 and 10 on Saturday and Sunday, uh, uh, solo anchor by myself, and uh, reported during the week. So that was fun. That got me here from Albany, Georgia. I was at 
um, WALB, the NBC station there. Before that, I was at KCBD, the NBC in Lubbock, Texas. Before that, I was um, at the assignment desk at KDNL, the ABC in St. Louis. So bopping around doing the news thing, and uh, that's what got me here. And I was, you know, the number two when Bruce Owney was on vacation. I filled in and co-anchored with Liz Mathis and... Wow. So there was a there was a time I was that guy. I'm like, all right, Bruce, last as long as you can, but when you're done, I'm coming. You know, yeah, that was right. Or maybe I'll go to another bigger market. You know, everybody in TV news is kind of doing the market hop thing. So that was me for a for a while until about 2002 uh, or 2001. Really, 9/11 happened. I was working on my master's at the U of I, and I was driving to class that day, and I heard what was going on on the radio. Mm-hmm. And by the time I got to Dr. Singer's class, uh, what class was it? Something about uh, media and different philosophers and how they uh, you could shape the media through their prisms. Um, she didn't know about it, so we told her. And she's like, wow, that's crazy. Well, let's uh, let's have class anyway. That sounds crazy. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding? So we had class, and so when we got out, my page was going nuts because uh, the TV station's like, oh, we got to go cover people putting yellow, you know, red ribbons around trees and stuff. And I just thought, that doesn't interest me. I'm interested in the cultural shifts that got us here. I'm interested in how we consume media. Uh, 9-11 was radio at first for me. Then it was cable. And then, you know, what does print do? And how does the internet? You know, I was very interested in like, bigger things about it not just hey reporter go interview people about you know love for the troops right. even though nothing's happening here i mean there there was a lot happening here and there's an art to doing local news localized versions of stories tied to the big event elsewhere in the world you know but i had done that for years and i just felt like okay i'm going to do this grad school thing full time so uh, i quit kcrg and uh, said i'm going to get a phd big relief for bruce owney <laughs> right <laughs> bruce is such a good guy I, oh absolutely uh, yeah um but yeah it, it's it's kind of weird to be in a thing and then you're like i think i'm going to change my thing and um you know i uh, had a young my youngest daughter uh was an infant at the time so i was doing this weird kind of grad school trying to get a phd on the side but mr Momet on the other side and Along the way, I started freelancing. Uh, I write a media criticism column for the Corridor Business Journal. Uh, I write it monthly now. I used to write it weekly. 52 times a year, I wrote media criticism about our market. And so I started doing that at that time because uh, the CBJ had just launched. And uh, so that kind of started me on this path of, yeah, there are other things you can do with a degree in radio, TV, film, and a master's in journalism, a little bit of news experience. And uh, being the person who enjoys the editing booth, who took note of, oh, well, I'm using a Electra Voice 708A microphone, whereas the other reporters, they just said, hand me the mic. And I'm thinking about, is that a condenser or a dynamic? Do we need phantom (laughs) power? You know, I was the nerd guy. So at the same time, I enjoy the techie side of things. So that allowed me to eventually just say, yeah, I can do anything I want. I don't have to say, how do you edit? How do you shoot? I'll edit, I'll shoot, and I'll continue to write. And it just kind of opened up uh, because at that time, the media world opened up. Right. This was before creators were called creators. But if you could make a video or you know a podcast uh, or whatever, I mean, you could do it yourself and figure out how to market it. And so it was fun kind of. You know, looking back now, realizing I was on the front end of that in some ways. Yeah. Uh, while uh, being in academia to kind of dissect it at the same time. So so that was fun. Wow. 
We were talking a little bit earlier today, you and I, uh, because we're working on some projects together, and we were talking about trends uh, in broad terms. And it seems to me like you are somebody who's always been kind of on the forefront of trends, particularly in media. And I think that's a challenging thing for people, especially um, people maybe in markets like Cedar Rapids, Iowa City, to really wrap their heads around. When we think about marketing, we always want to figure out what the next big thing is, right? People are still trying to figure out what social media is. We've talked a lot on this show about TikTok and what that means right now. Um, Joe, when you think about trends and you think about what people should be doing to market their projects, how do you even, where do you go to figure out what the next thing is or, or how to understand what the current trend is? And when you just think about trends in general, where do you start with that? I always think about platforms and then I think about, I use the word vehicles. So a vehicle would be, uh, you know, David Letterman had the top 10 list every night. That, that's a vehicle. Sure. Yeah. Uh, he's a comic. He does monologues, interviews. He has a lot of things. But his nightly vehicle that we all knew him by was the top 10 list. Mm-hmm. So whether you're in TV news and you have a pet of the week vehicle or you're in radio and you do a morning show, you do the zoo thing, whatever, and you have a recurring fake voice, uh, funny character, that's a vehicle. So I think that it went from you have to be a big media operation to have recurring vehicles. You have to own the Gazette, and then you could have a section called History Happenings. You know, you have to be a big media company. But that morphed into anybody can do a thing and make that a vehicle, especially now with TikTok. Um, right. If you come up with a good idea for a recurring thing in TikTok, you need a snappy name for your vehicle. You need to do a few that are good examples, and then others will pick up on that, and then they'll do their version of your thing, your vehicle, and it can take off. So the first time I really nailed one, um, I, I left grad school. I didn't finish my Ph.D., my mom to this day is still like, well, are you, you going to go back? <laughs> the I, fact uh, that you even started it, I think, is impressive <laughs> enough. My oh. parents would be like, wait. You're what? <laughs> oh, I could I could tell you about how academia works, uh, but um, I I lasted two years. It was great, but no, I I got an offer to work for a guitar magazine, and I'm a drummer. Sweet. I've read drum magazines my whole life. Uh, you know, I can play a decent guitar. I'm not great, but you know, I could play a, a solid third rhythm guitar in any band in this town, <laughs> right? So. Um, I got a chance to work for this guitar magazine, and they were trying to figure out how to be the next biggest, greatest guitar magazine. And they were national. Well, they were kind of regional. And um, so I even grew up reading Guitar Player and reading Guitar World magazines. And so here's this little bitty magazine called Premier Guitar, and I got on board as the uh, web content editor. And uh, I eventually became a partner, but when I was just a, a web content editor, I had all these ideas. And I thought, hmm, everybody here seems to talk about the Almighty Magazine. Every month, let's go to prints and the right. presses and who's going to be on the cover. This very yesterday's thing, uh, I, my title, web content editor. I'm like, okay, let's put this online. No, why? Because that's going to be in next month. Save it. I'm like, no, let's put it on now. You know, why, why is this old school brick wall divide between print and online, which is so funny because dailies, you know, newspapers that print daily, they still battle with themselves over that. It's 2021 and they still just can't put everything online for free and they're all dying. But anyway, um, (laughs) they are. Uh, So uh, I started playing around with different vehicles. Um, E-blasts were becoming a thing. And I thought, hmm, 
all my colleagues on the print side of the magazine are doing these great interviews and they make it in print and you can cut it out and put it in a portfolio. Yeah, that's great. But I can put as much stuff online as I want. So I'm going to coordinate with the main editor of the magazine and go interview a bunch of other people. Mm-hmm. And I had my own budget to hire freelancers to write their own pieces. And so I started putting a lot of effort into the e-blast. So this would have been 2007-ish, 2008-ish. Okay. And I had so much fun watching the dashboard of the e-blast with all of my web-exclusive content. And I'd see which articles got read, clicked, and which ones didn't. Um, watching the unique visits per month, trying to get that up into the stratosphere and seeing, hmm, this article, they read 15 minutes into it, and then they died. And this article, they lasted two minutes. Note to self, don't write about the two-minute thing anymore. So (laughs) I had this real-time feedback, and it was amazing because as a content guy coming from the journalism side, you kind of do your news for the sake of helping the world. You let your report about City Hall go, and you're done. And here I was putting out content, watching this pinball-like dashboard light up. And so I started moving the levers around, thinking, okay, what's going to get more clicks and reads and views? So uh, so here's what I'm getting at. Um, I realized that guitarists wanted content. Yeah, the magazine with a glossy cover on your coffee table, that's great. That will always be there. But they, they just they want to hang out online. They want to listen to clips. They want to read about gear. They want to read gear reviews. They want to hear uh, what it's like to be a crappy music, musician uh, playing in <laughs> bars on the weekends and the stories about having beer bottles thrown at you. That's just, you know, that's community. Uh, you know, Seth Rogen, like, community is two things, a common interest and a way to communicate. So I'm reading these books, and I'm that's realizing, great. okay, we're on to something here. So I, I thought, okay... Um, I was about to interview uh, Peter Mayer, who's Jimmy Buffett's lead guitarist, longtime lead guitarist. And I thought, well, um, I can't just say, hey, here's Peter Mayer. What gear do you use? What guitar? What amp? What pedals? What strings? And call that content. I knew it needed a snappy vehicle name. And so guitarists talk about the rig. Oh, I'm going to bring my big rig. Oh, it's a small bar. I'm going to bring my small rig. It's a small amp, 20 watt, and da, da, da. So I said, well, let's call this the Rig Rundown. Love it. And we'll just start a series. Rig run- so this is not a print thing. This is, this is web exclusive. You know, you want it. It's a video. You see Peter Mayer walking through his rig on the stage at Alpine Valley, and he's got 20 guitars, and he's talking about this big box that he puts a 100-watt amp in and shuts the lid. And so I thought, rig rundown, this is going to be a thing. So sure enough, next thing you know, um, everybody in the music business wants a rig rundown mm-hmm. when they're on tour. They want us to go out and do a video of their rig. And so... Um, I, I bring this up in jest, but uh, one of the partners in the biz uh, later, I said, we have to, we, we need to copyright this. This could be a thing on its own. It's going to take off. It's going to be huge because the alliteration, it's the name, it's snappy. It's going to. Nothing sells like alliteration. Nothing. Yeah. Look it, at Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to apply to computer nerds talking about their rigs at, at, at their home gaming system, whatever. So, uh, I lost that battle. We did not copyright it. And oh, no. To this day, if you Google search or YouTube search Rig, Rig Rundown, Rundown, 
you will see hundreds of videos, mostly by Premier Guitar, but other people have picked up on it. Every guitarist in the world at some point has had a rig rundown done. Got it. Joe Bonamassa's had like five at this point. Mm-hmm. And it's just a fun vehicle to help you say, okay, I know what this is. I'm going to sit down and watch a video, and this guy is going to take me through all of his equipment. And so, that started with Joe Coffey. I, you know, I feel weird saying I invented that, but, but it's, you did. It's, it's, it is one of those things that, you know, in talking about uh, what we do as creators and as media people, um, you know, I had a hand in journalism, I guess a, a career in it, but I was just thinking, you know, the consumption end of articles, of online stuff. I'm working at a magazine and everybody's like all about themselves writing these 2,000 word articles that other people read quietly. I just thought, this is ridiculous. We have to go online. We have to go online hard. What are the vehicles that can help bring guitar players into the modern era of media? But it's all about how do they consume it. And when you think about, okay, the people sitting here watching, are they on their phones? Are they at their laptop at the time? Were they at a desktop? And you just think through all the modes they could be in. And then that can open doors for thinking about, oh, this should be a five-minute piece. Oh, this should be a 10-minute video, but it should have a companion piece that they can read online. Uh, or this one sure. needs a diagram in addition to, you know, but when you think about the mode and how people consume media, that's such a great way to unlock, all right, this is what we need to be doing. Because you're thinking about how people digest it. Yep. Versus, I am a writer, and I have great similes and metaphors and analogies, and I'm going to write, 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 and I'm a great writer, and people are going to read me. That's such a different mindset. I love a couple things you said in there, so I want to pull them out, and, and so we as the listeners can take those and apply them. Um, one you don't have to wait for somebody else's vehicle to carry your message out, right? You can find find the trend and then build your own vehicle. I love that. And I love that you told a story about doing that. Additionally, uh, I, I love the idea that um, you don't have to... Um, you don't have to be locked into any one thing. You can, it can be whatever you want it to be, whatever feels right for your brand, right? Rig Rundown is actually how I discovered Premier Guitar for the first time. <laughs> wow. Uh, wow. Through those online videos. That's wild. So I actually never knew that story. I was happy to hear it. Um, I think this is great. Um, I'm excited to keep talking about your story and I'm excited to pull more uh, lessons and tidbits and advice out of your story. But we do need to take a quick break. We need to check in with some sponsors. So stick with us for just a moment when we come back. We're going to continue talking with Joe Coffey, getting the info um, that you can take and apply to your business, your brand, your project. Um, But stick with us. We'll be back in just a moment. Friends with Marketing Benefits is brought to you by... I'm Alex Schulte. And I'm Jake Trumper. And this is the promo for our brand new podcast, One Word Stories. Where we take one word. Like fear. That's kind of dark. Or spaghetti. Well, I don't know if we're going to do an entire episode about spaghetti. Are you hooked yet? I hope so. Whoa. I just noticed that we keep speaking in unison. How do we stop? Oh, wow. It's still happening. Okay, what just happened? I don't know. It's like we've been spending way too much time together and we're starting to finish each other's... I quit. What? I just don't get it. What's not to get? So I just get one word and talk about it? Who cares? I care. Give me a word. Middle school. That's two words. You get the gist. Okay, one time in middle school, a girl hid in the bathroom during the school dance specifically so I wouldn't have to ask her to dance with me. Okay, I'm starting to understand why you didn't want to do this. One Word Stories. We're a brand new podcast distributed by the LAS Podcast Network in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. New episodes every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you can find your podcasts. Okay, okay I, I think that, that was a good take. take. Wait, Wait, no. Why does this keep happening? LAS. 
Hello, everybody. My name is James. And I am Sarah. And, and we, we are, are full, full of BS. BS. Which is why we're starting a new podcast called A Load of BS. We probably want to tell them what BS is, though, James. What do you mean? Well, we everybody knows them, what BS is. No, we got to tell them what BS means. It's brand strategy. Everybody knows that. I mean, it could potentially mean something else. Like what? Boat snack? <laughs> Bucket sauce? I don't, I don't know. It's brand, Everybody knows it's brand strategy. That's it. That's, That's what I heard on the streets. I, I guess. Okay. Well, now you know. You can be full of brand strategy too. So if you want to be full of BS too, I would recommend checking out our podcast, which will be coming out every second and fourth Wednesday of the month, produced by the LAS Podcast Network right here in Cedar Rapids. For more information, visit LASPodcastNetwork.com. For bonus episodes of this show, ad-free versions of LAS Podcast, and many other exclusive benefits, all while supporting local creators and businesses, consider subscribing to LAS Plus for just $10 a month. To learn more and get started, visit LASPodcastNetwork.com. We all can be full of BS together. Come join us. I've been told that I'm full of BS a lot. It's true. I stand by that. <laughs> That's from Moana, remember? Oh. And he's like, he holds the chicken up. He's like, boat snack. <laughs> L-A-S. Welcome on back to Friends with Marketing Benefits. I'm Logan. I'm Alex. And we're talking with Joe Coffey. Um, local everything, it sounds like. <laughs> I mean, you've, a man who's lived a hundred lives. That's certainly what it sounds like to me. And, and where we left off um, before you dropped some insane and wonderful knowledge on us was that um, you had gone for your PhD, didn't finish, and then you were working for a guitar magazine. Um making videos and web content and, and creating great things. So um, where does where does your life take you from there? Well, I consider myself lucky because I think a lot of the rig rundowns included, a lot of the stuff I've come up with, I think anybody could come up with, but I was in the right spot, right time, that kind of thing. Um, one thing that was happening in guitar magazines in the 2007, 8, 9-ishes was um, there was a big industry convention called NAM the National Association of American Musical Merchandisers or something like that. That sounds right. I'm NAAM. So it's a huge show. So if you work at West Music or Guitar Center, um, whether you're behind the counter or a VP in corporate, you go to NAM. National Association of Music Merchants. Music Merchants. There yeah. Two gotcha. M's in there. Yeah. And so um, it's at the Anaheim Convention Center. It takes up every hall, including the arena, if you've ever been there for a different convention. It's a massive show. And if you are a xylophone manufacturer, you will have a booth. Mm -hmm. If you are Yamaha and you make drums and guitars and whatever, you will have a booth. A huge booth. A huge booth. I mean, everything's Yamaha, right? Yeah, they make everything. So Martin Guitars, like if you, anybody in the world who is serious about making musical instruments or the software that produces music, all of that stuff, you go to this NAMM show. And so everybody in the, uh, they call it MI, the Musical Instruments uh, Journalist Media Industry. They just say MI. So everybody in MI at these guitar magazines and drum magazines, they would go to NAM and they would write about it. And then like three months later, there'd be like a two-page spread. Look at these new guitars. Look at this. Look at that. Um, there's a big NAM in January. Then there's a small NAM. Uh, in the summer, and it rotates. It used to be in Austin. Now it's in Nashville. So I was gearing up for my first NAM, and I, I thought, well, why aren't we taking video cameras to this thing? 
it sounds like a freaking great time. Uh, the raucous cacophony of all these instruments being played and demoed by, you know, music store owners so they can make a decision. I think I want to buy 100 less Pauls in the next year and fill up my guitar store with less Pauls on the wall. How does this work? And they cut their deals. It's a, it's a business, right? So there's business clear, going on. We're not putting a less amount of Pauls <laughs> there. We want more of a guitar called a less Paul. For anybody that doesn't know what a guitar is. <laughs> Thank you for uh, walking us through that. Sorry, I was like, if I'm going to interject, this is the moment. <laughs> I hope it was accurate. They should have named it the More Paul. But, they um, should have called it the More Paul. Oh, missed opportunity. Yeah. yeah. But um, there you go. Sorry that next I one. completely interrupted your train. Of no, no, show. it's all, all good. All good. So, uh, like I said, I don't think I'm any kind of insightful. Steve Jobs type person. I was just the person who did it. If it wasn't me, it would have been somebody else, maybe the next Nam or whatever. But I said, we're taking cameras. So I wasn't a partner yet, but I go to the partners and I'm like, um, here's what we have to do. We need to take video cameras. I want to hire crews. I want to train our staffers to not just walk around with a notebook and take notes yeah. and think they're cool. I'm going to write about this in three months. They need to work their butts off and they need to go from booth to booth and let's have gear, the right kinds of microphones so that if you fire up, you know, a Marshall, uh, JTM 50, like it will sound good. And we're going to put this on this new thing called YouTube which at the time had limited videos and the quality was terrible, but it was free and you could see the video. Anybody could open an, an account. I looked at this thing. I'm like, we have to do this. Let's get our domain name in there. Let's get Premier Guitar, you know, YouTube slash Premier Guitar. We have to. And some people thought I was crazy, but I guess you could say the key people in the, in the business said, this guy's on to something. So it wasn't long, and uh, I became a partner and editorial director of the whole thing. But um, that first NAM was great because we went there with all these crews. We went from booth to booth and said, hey, Martin Guitars, most famous American acoustic guitar maker, you know, there is, been at it since 18-whatever. What's <laughs> new this year? Right. What's, what are the new models? Oh, play that thing. Oh, you have a demo guy who you pay to sit here and play all day long because he's an expert? Why don't we give him his own five-minute video? Let's wow our audience. So Premier Guitar listeners, check it out. Here's blah, blah. So anyway, we come back with hundreds of videos. Um, I tried my best to upload them as soon as possible. Uh, I hired people to sit in hotel rooms to edit, 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 and get them out. And it was great. You know, we, it, and that changed everything. That was the first NAM anybody brought cameras to and said, we're going to cover this as if we're a video entity, not just a magazine. I think that's what's really interesting, if I can jump in here, yeah. is you weren't just walking around with, like, hand cams and, you know, doing, doing the basic level thing. It sounds like you really went all in on this type of project. I'm from TV News, so I was used to covering City Hall all day, interviewing the mayor, interviewing two unnamed sources, interviewing the witness to the whatever, and then the taxpayer who's pissed off, right? And I was used to having all day to put that together in a short form at 5, a longer version at 6, and then a full what they call a package at 10, and I would be live at the courthouse for or, or City Hall to kick off the piece. I had done that for years, so putting together something about music, are you kidding me? It was It was fun. It was an absolute <laughs> blast. And I Didn't had feel the, like work. I had the passion of a musician to be able to say, let me get this straight. I'm standing here with Bob Taylor of Taylor Guitars. His name is on the headstock, and he's this dude right here. Right. And we're joshing, having a good time, and he's going to give me his time and look into my camera 
and tell premier guitar readers about the 710 CE, the newest model with the tobacco burst and the, the mahogany, you know, and he was dying. They were all dying to do it. So after a few NAMs, all the instrument magazines were doing this thing and everybody had YouTube accounts and the thing just kind of blew up. So I'm not going to sit here and say that's something I invented. I just got to it before anybody else did. It was a matter of time, but it was kind of fun to be the person to say, um, why not? And, you know, we've all been in businesses and marketing meetings where there's always the guy in the room saying, why not? And it's almost annoying, let's be honest, sometimes. Oh, absolutely. It's like, here's why not, dude. Shut up. It's like, but I, I was that guy. I was like, mm, why not? Well, the budget, yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. Well, well, let's sell a sponsorship, whatever. We don't have enough people. Well, we'll get interns. You know, I had <laughs> an answer wow. for everything. And so we just made that video thing happen. Okay. <laughs> it's a lot to unpack. Um um, when you work in such a specific field, I find it so interesting when you find the courage and have the ideas to expand out into other mediums. When you're solely on paper, um, onto that glossy magazine paper, to, to wanting to actually invest in something that's new, how do you feel so confident in actually expanding into that without feeling like you're about to just waste a lot of money and the whole thing is going to fall on its face? Like It, it, it seems like you've got a crystal ball and you're looking into the future of what's going to be successful. You know, that's one of the greatest compliments I've ever... Thank you. That means the world Absolutely. to me. I heard a different version of that once from one of the partners at Premier Guitar. He said, it was in a business pitch meeting. <clears throat> we had another project going, and uh, he turned to me, and he looked at the investors and said, this guy can see around corners. Yeah. And I almost cried because... I don't wake up and try to see around a corner, but I just, I consume a lot of media. I just know what I like and I think about the mode. So when I'm creating media, I just think, what does the listener, the reader, the video watcher, the computer user, whatever, the phone user, what would make sense for them? So, I mean, that, that's all it is to me. Is, but again, thank you. That's such a great compliment. I really, oh, really appreciate that. Oh my gosh. That. And it, it's very obvious, but, but, um, um, how do you, Sorry, I'm losing my train of thought here. Well, you asked about the confidence it takes to kind of put yeah, that on the it's, line. It's and just, it's wild to me because from somebody who's coming from radio and I was always pushing the internet and pushing video in a radio form and there were definitely people in that camp who were like, what are we doing here? We're not, we're not, we're not a YouTube channel. We're not a Facebook network. We're, we're radio. Everything we should do is, is audio. But it is wild because if you want to expand on things, you can't, just be, you can't keep hitting that same pool of people you've been hitting with the magazine or with radio. You have to expand out in order to grow the company, period, no matter what you're doing. But it's, it's hard to find. Um, sometimes when you have those good ideas, it's hard to follow through with them, and it's, and it's hard to feel confident in those ideas. So kudos to you on actually following through with that. And then, you know, it sounds like you got lucky in some, plant, some places by making the right decision. But um, um, is it as simple as what, what questions do you ask yourself to come to those conclusions? I think it's observing. So here's my response to that. I think of things as culture camps. Um, within any business, you have people who maybe they've been there a long time or they like the electronic gizmo that, that makes the widget, or they're from a geographic thing, or whatever. But there are these little camps within cultures. And so when you go into a magazine, it's not just, oh, we're all writers and we're all wide open. No, you have your hardcore writers who read in silence and will spend forever editing an 800-word column. And then you have some people with great ideas, and they may not be the best writers. Mm. So when I crashed into this magazine, I, I kind of had a foot in both worlds. <clears throat> At the end of the day, I love to write. 
and I, I, you know, I absolutely love writing and, and reading, but I also love a good video and fast forward to today. I love me a good TikTok video. <laughs> so, uh, we all do. when I crashed into the magazine, I realized, okay, there's a line, there's a lineup of columnists who get the almighty print column every month, you know, and they could tell their friends, I write a column for a premier guitar. And, um, some of the editors in the shop really bad mouthed these writers because they weren't good writers. Mm-hmm. And it took a lot of work to get those uh, submissions kind of hammered into shape. And then, all okay, now we have a good 800 words about guitar or whatever that we can be proud of from a literary standpoint. So I, I didn't see it that way. I thought to myself, let me get this straight. Um, Peter Stroud, Cheryl Crow's touring guitarist, writes us a column every month. Are you kidding me? And he's talking about being on the road and what gear do you use at an amphitheater versus a bar. And he's talking about getting over hotel room stress and jet lag. And he's talking about wow. the road life. He's Cheryl Crow's guitar. I don't care if he can't write worth crap. <laughs> right. I will record him on the phone for 30 minutes and then I will, you know, I'll do it myself if you right. guys don't want to do it. You know, so we had wizards, we had gurus who are making the next big guitar we had amplifier experts we had people who could do an antiques road show with like an odd what is this worth you know so we had all the bases covered and everybody was bitching and moaning about what it took to get the writing up up to snuff so by the time i became editorial director i'm like look that day is over we celebrate these guys we don't care if they can't write their way out of a paper bag they are great musicians and they've got stories and that's on us we're getting paid so we're going to listen to these things record uh and transcribe and hammer later if we have to they might not type a word in a keyboard and i'm okay with that because they're they're giving us good columns we just have to change our worldview get out of these culture camps where we're thinking that's not the best way to write a column gatekeeping yeah, yeah, and sometimes it's it's habit, um, but, uh, you know, and I've seen this in different jobs I've had where, you know, I'm managing food writers or, you know, videographers, and, and these little camps kind of feel like, well, this is the best way to do it. Yep. And sometimes you just have to break through and just kind of strip everything down. You don't want to make them feel like you're going against them. You just have to reshape it and say, okay, dude, check this out. Look at this opportunity we have. And so let's just change our thinking about what it takes about is this good or bad, whatever, the end product has more of your touch on it because you have to work harder. But you know what? It's going to be great and it's worth it. And I I think with that kind of attitude, you can turn people around rather than make enemies out of them. See, this is so close to home with exactly what we're doing here, Logan. It's... it's on a much bigger scale of being a national scale rather than local, but in a way it's a community development project. You're taking these people who have very valid and amazing stories to tell that don't necessarily have the tools to portray that or to convey that. And then you have that, that power, but guess what? The people who are, who have the power to write those stories and can convey those stories in a beautiful way don't necessarily have those stories to tell. So when you put these things together, you come to, to something really magical, which is, I'm not trying to turn this around and be like, well, look what the LAS Podcast Network is doing. But we've got all these incredible creators yeah. who didn't quite have this platform before this and wouldn't have known how to develop a show, how to come up with um, the flow of a show, segments, coming up with guests for the show, topics, or just one niche topic for a show. And if we can sit down with these people and have these conversations and, and then, again, be like, this is good. This, you're, this is good. This can go out. You know, Don't be self-conscious about it. That is such a huge weight um, taken off of a lot of people's shoulders. So we're 
in in a roundabout way, emulating what you have done in the past for sure. Right on. It's that crafting of taking something good. Just because they're not an expert storyteller doesn't mean they don't have a great story. Exactly. That's where you come in. Yeah. Exactly. And then taking that a step further, um, because you brought up something, again, that you mentioned in the first half of the show, and I really want to hit on it. Um, you keep the audience in mind, right? And oh, and the audience yes, wants to hear these stories, right, from these people. You are an audience member there. You want to hear these stories from these incredible musicians, and and you happen to be the person that can help make that connection between these stories and the audience, right? And uh, and that's how you find those trends, and that's how you find those vehicles and uh, and create those while keeping the audience in mind. Uh, and I think that's a great lesson for our local entrepreneurs, business owners, um, marketers, the people who are listening to this podcast to keep in mind, right? Keep the audience in mind. Who are you speaking to and how do you craft At those stories? Yeah, for them, whatever that looks like. Uh, I think that's fantastic. So you're at Premier Guitar, your editorial director, uh, and you've, you've stepped out of those culture camps. What happens next? <laughs> so um, the magazine was small, and I think it published three issues when I joined under the name Premier Guitar. It was a regional thing called like uh, Musicians Hotline, or it had a terrible name, but uh, there was a really passionate dude in Musicians Iowa. Musicians Hotline. <laughs> Sexy. <laughs> yeah. I love how amazingly terrible that is, but, though, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but it came from a great place. This, this guy who created it, he kind of sold the ads and wrote the articles, and yeah, he was great, great, great dude. And, and so anyway, it got bought out and turned into uh, Premier Guitar. So I think I was there six years, or maybe it was seven and one day I lifted my head up and I realized we had gone from hunting to farming. Mm-hmm. And when we were in the hunt, I was in my element. I was the, why can't we do that guy? You know? Sure. And I new vehicles, new vehicle here. Uh, oh, I bet the sales guy was, will like this. What if I create a new recurring content thing, but we start it with this kind of an ad. And, you know, th- that was my thing, hunting, trying to get the great white whale, whatever the metaphor is. I just really right. enjoyed creating. But when I lifted my head up six or seven years later, I realized, okay, um, this thing has entered a different stage. You know, um, I told my reviewers, hey, if this guitar is worth uh, a four out of ten rating, you give it a four, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to print it. And the readers will want to know, wow, that's a shitty guitar, four out of ten. Six years later, uh, we couldn't really do that. Because then those oh, people really? wouldn't buy ads, the manufacturer of that guitar. Of course. Mm-hmm. And so there was a, quote, fact check kind of back and forth with the manufacturer, and then they'd send it back. We wouldn't tell them the rating, but they'd say, oh, you spelt Transformer wrong. And they would have a conversation with their sales guy, my colleague, the salesperson, and then the salesperson would call me and say, hey, man, uh, what, do you know what the rating is on that thing? Because... I'm trying to sell this guy a 12-time schedule, a 12x, you know, back page ad for next year. But if this review you're about to put out there isn't glowing, he's not going to buy this ad. So, I, you know... How do you balance that? How do you balance on that tightrope of stay, remaining authentic and, exactly. and, um, and that, that, get, keeping that trust of your listener and reader? Mm-hmm. That journalistic integrity, but, right? Yes. That's why it was hard for me because I'm a journalist journalist at the end of the day. Even though I'm in this play world of musical instruments journalism, um, I realized that, you know, this is at the end of the day, it's a business. Yeah. This isn't the music version of 60 Minutes. This is a business. And it kind of needs to have, you know, if it's that shitty of a guitar, don't put it in the magazine. And that says something by saying nothing versus give him a, a crappy. Re- so there are ways to do it. Right. And so I realized 
uh, I had hired some people, some people who are still there today, who do a great job running the magazine. And uh, they're really good uh, farmers, and they do a lot of hunting too. But I just realized I'm a hunter-hunter. You know, like this place isn't for me. We had dabbled in a TV thing, Premier Guitar TV, and we had dabbled in this and that. And I just realized, okay, I think this has gone where I can take it. It was, I think it was seven years. So my good friend, you know, I'm Steve Shriver. I called him up, said, let's have a beer. We went to Mahoney's when it was still Mahoney's. And I said, hey, man, here's where I'm at. Just I know you got a, a million things going on. <laughs> at the time, he was the absentee CEO of Ecolips. Mm. But Frontier Co-op, uh, an international spice company uh, in CPG, consumer packaged goods, uh, selling internationally like a, a big company, um, th- he was working for them because they needed help. And they knew he was like a marketing guru genius. So they said, uh, can you be like our VP, uh, one of our brands? Uh, they have an essential oils brand called uh, Oracacia. So he was running that brand and kind of helping them figure out what to do next. And so he was working there when I called him up for this beer. So he said, let me, let me get back with you. So <laughs> the company was growing. It was on the verge of making $100 million for the first time in its history. Wow. And um, it had great, you know, the, wow. the whole organic thing was becoming really right. hip and new and popular. People were thinking about what they were putting in and on their bodies. So yep. organic spices, you bet. Why not? You know, I'll pay more for that because it's healthier. And so this whole thing was taking off. And so he tapped me on the shoulder and said, okay, we need a public relations director, which is probably going to morph into something in content and communications. Just, dude, get on board and let's see where it goes. So I said, all right. Yes. Let's do this. You're the kind of guy who says yes a lot, aren't you? I, you know, when I think about it, I guess I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like in, in the interview, they're like, what's, what's the bad trait? You're like, I can't say no. <laughs> I do find that that's the struggle I'm living with right now is saying no. You know, we stack these things on, onto our plates, but it's just because there's so many exciting things to be stacking onto our plates. It's funny that you say that because my good friend, Steve Shriver, mm-hmm. we've talked about that very thing. And he, he has a pretty cool take on it, you know. Uh, yeah, I would love to hear that. Uh, great ideas are everywhere. He's, as he puts it, he'd rather have a crappy idea pretty far down the road than a great idea that no one's done anything on because they're overthinking it or they just can't get moving, you know. So there's, that, that's one way to say no is, you know, mm. what's actionable. But I was lucky because when I took this job uh, at Frontier, it's in Benton County. It's a 30-minute drive. I carpooled with Steve every day for, you know, it's a 30 minute ride there and 30 minutes back. I got to pick his brain in the middle of the rise of organic and everything he had going on with all his things. And, uh, right. How much I, would an hour consultation with oh Steve Shriver God. be? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we're friends too. So we talked about all kinds of things and, you know, I'm not sure how much of it rubbed off on me, but at least I was exposed. <laughs> I was in the orbit of Steve every day for a, a few years there. And, you know, kind of, I'd never been in CPG before, and, you know, this whole talk of, all right, we have these SKUs in Whole Foods, we want to get more SKUs in Whole Foods. How do we do that? Like, how does that even work? And product development inside a CPG company, how is it that there are people in R&D creating things, but yet the brand managers are coming up with new product ideas from a brainstorm meeting, and they didn't even have the R&D people there, but then this becomes a SKU, and then the marketing slogan change the name of it but then you have to test it with focus groups in Colorado behind a two-way mirror and you know this whole I got to see how that whole thing worked and I ended up the content director I think I was communications director at one point and um, so for three brands Frontier Co-op it's an organic spice brand there's another one called Simply Organic 
It's a little more uh, modern looking, same products in the bottles, to be honest with you. And and then Oracacia, the essential oils company. So it's like three brands within one company. And I'm serving these brand managers. We had a lot of in-house capabilities and we were doing our own digital thing. We had a goal. We were like, we need a million Facebook followers. How do we do that? And I had to figure out how to do that. And we did it. But, you know, this whole, you know, the influencer thing, that was new. How much do I pay who to say what? How and there's an FTC disclaimer. How does this, you know, this was happening in real time. And I got to like stick my neck out and screw up a few times, have some victories a few times. It was great. How do you get a million followers on Facebook? Really quick. I think everybody just wants to know if just, you could just like summarize that. <laughs> if, you could, if you could just tell us how to do that really quick, that'd be great. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. It keeps changing. Basically. It does, uh, doesn't it? Yeah. There's, you have to throw money at something. Uh, how either, much either, money? Well, Facebook has a different way to monetize ads, and they will convince you that this will create more followers. And and then the metrics change. Is it like, what's a follower if they're not engaged? Okay, well, let's measure engagement. All right. Exactly. Uh, well, engagement is, uh, what about views? This looks like a bigger number that's sexier. But wait, a view? It just flew through the, the news feed? They didn't even read it, click right. or comment? They scrolled past, whatever. So, yeah, it's this cat and mouse game. And then, you know, Google Ads and, like, how do we – there's this constant shifting plate tectonic thing going on in marketing where you kind of have to keep up. And the nerd in me who likes to understand how to run the microphone and the soundboard and everything, I wanted to understand, you know, the nuts and bolts of, all right, Google Ads, Facebook Ads, like how to move this and – how do we, you know, and then I realized you can't be that guy and the vision guy at the same time. You have to hire that out. Mm. You can't even have it in-house unless you're really big. But just find a nerd guru who's good at that, throw money at him, and he's going to change the keywords and he's going to change the this. And then the goals of the campaign for Q2 are going to be this and he'll change this. And, and he makes all that happen, but he spends constant time in there tweaking things and he gets you the results you want. But it's, you know, to hope that it can happen organically. I mean, those, those days are almost gone. I guess the hardest thing to the pill to swallow is that it's a full-time job to, to blow up your social media. It does take a, a person to be spending all of their work hours, it seems, on specifically thinking about that working on that is is that not correct because like let's see if we can extrapolate that out into a, a certain um language or lens sure. for the listeners of this show specifically so or just me uh, <laughs> or just alex <laughs> but uh if i can try and kind of boil it down into two major takeaways and then you can kind of correct me if i'm wrong or or, or validate me if i'm right um <laughs> one is that you can't underestimate the importance of putting effort into getting your marketing right, uh, particularly digitally with trends and social media, putting the time and effort into making that work, whether it's you or whether you hire it out to somebody to really focus on it, that is a value and that can create a return, but you have to prioritize it in some capacity. Yeah. And it could be misleading because we all want to be the guy who knows the secret. Oh, I read a big study, uh, you know, 3,000 participants surveyed and, you know, send your e-blast out Monday at 3. Mm, that's the time. <laughs> your 3% three, your 3% open rate's going to go to 10, you know, like we've everybody. we article. Yeah, and then the next, someone else read the article that said Wednesday at 2. Someone else has the article that says Friday at 9. Yep. Someone else has the article that says Saturday because it's the anti-thinking. Of course you shouldn't. That's why you should. Right. The next thing you know, like... <laughs> Nobody can agree. And if you put energy into trying to be the guy who knows that secret, 
it's 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 pointless by the time you find it you're already behind it's going to keep changing you know like how to you know good html how good coding like oh like stuff it with keywords a month later keywords are bad stop doing that algorithm doesn't like it anymore so it's constantly changing and so the nerd in me who likes to understand the taxonomy and the molecules of how things work i had to let go of that and I had a budget and I had people who, you know, by this time, after a few years, um, there was a digital marketing person who was my equal on the other side who was handling a lot of that, hiring some of this out. And then I got to focus more on the content. And, you know, I was watching how these org charts uh, evolved in real time for the needs of content and the needs for, you know, what this question came from, how to pull that off. Because at the end of the day, brands and companies want to do that and, if you, I guess my point is, if you want to be that guy who has it figured out, you're just, you're going to chase your own tail, you know, mm-hmm. hire, hire that stuff out, let some experts spend some time and energy on it. And then you can put your thought into what is the goal for this campaign? Don't just think, ah, I want to be bigger, some more widgets. Like, no, this particular campaign, are we just going for exposure? Are we going for uh, usage education to create new learning so that the new product we know that's around the corner does have more of a chance? You know, there are all these different things that could be at play, and you really need to be putting your focus there. And then hopefully someone else can just press the buttons and make that other stuff happen. But you need budget for that. So you've worked on some pretty large-scale um, projects for some large scale companies, you know, to be honest, what do you say to the mom and pop shop up the street who, who doesn't have the funds to hire out their, um, their marketing or their social media, but they know they need to be doing it to some capacity. How, what do you say to them to help them take those first steps and, and, and address some of that, uh, digital marketing approach? I love this question. I, I would say it's two things. Number one, solve people's problems. And number two, look for um, the tribes. There are a lot of businesses that, you know, uh, let me think of an example like uh, Orbit Gum, right? If I think I have bad breath, I'm going to eat me some Orbit Gum. And then when I have my business meeting, hopefully I don't have bad breath. Hmm. Like Orbit Gum is a product I like. I don't need them in my life. I don't need to follow them on social. I don't want crap from them in the mail. You know, it's like there is no tribe around Orbit Gum. Sorry, Orbit Gum makers, there is no tribe there, (laughs) right? I mean, I think some businesses just have to realize, okay, we want to have a, let's create a social media world in our own, you know, what, you know, it's just be honest with yourself. Do people really want you in their lives that much? There's so many goods and services, especially if you're thinking about local businesses where the God honest answer is no, they don't need... There is no tribe here. As much as you want there to be, there isn't. So, And that's okay. And if that's the case, think, okay, what problems does my business solve? What services do I put out there that solve people's problems? Whether it's something simple like bad breath or a reminder to get this service done or a oil change or whatever. I mean, I think there's so much to be done about, hmm, I can make people's lives easier if I really think about solving this problem for them. And a lot of times, if my product works, if my service works, there is no problem. It's just a routine thing. And, man, that, that's gold. A routine thing, a routine reason why they need to come to me for my business or service or widget, whatever, that's a great place to be. And if you're putting energy into your tribe that shouldn't exist, that's ridiculous. But on the other hand, if you do have something hip and cool, you know, we're drinking Lion Bridge beer right now. And we had a conversation earlier about yeah. how much we all like compensation ale. Yeah, it's right. my favorite local beer right now. Yeah, it's it's so 
good. We're all rooting for local. We love what the company represents. It's over there in Czech Village. Like, okay, so there's a good example of, oh, yeah, there's there's not only tribe in Linebridge. There's tribe in compensation. Right? Yeah, yeah. And sure. so we could kick around ideas about, like, who likes it, why, what's cool about it. Um, how much, you know, what do you do when you like it? What kind of funny social posts could you, I mean, there's so many things about like, let's just share our love for this beer and have fun with it socially. There's a lot of tribe potential there that uh, I don't know Quinn that well or who does his social, but I'm sure somebody over there is trying to figure out social for Lionbridge. And I'm assuming they're on that path. Let's talk about the love for our products. Let's find the people who really love us, take that tribe, and let's celebrate this thing that brings us together. So the two things in any tribe, common interest and way to communicate. Way to communicate. So which way should we love communicate? That. Is it Twitter? Is it this? Is it that? Do we throw an event and have a party? World's uh, wide open. There's so many possibilities. They sold me because they said it went well with a chicken sandwich. <laughs> That's about as it uh, always starts with the chicken sandwich. Simple as it gets for me. <laughs> so we got to start wrapping up this episode, Joe. Um, walk us through the end. Bring us up to present day, and and what's next for Joe Coffee? Yeah, uh, thanks. I appreciate the question. Um, I left Frontier Co-op um, right as the company was hitting the two hundred million mark for the first time. And that was great. It was amazing. The company had grown so much. They're still over there growing. Uh, I don't know what number they're going to hit next, but um, they're they're doing good work. Two hundred and one. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh. But I that thing went off in my brain again that said mm, it's time. You know, the, they're they are uh, farming now. The hunting season was over. I got to hunt with them, and it was a blast. I got to go around the world and see. You know, cinnamon trees in Vietnam. I got to make content out of that. You know, it was great, but I. It, and not it, to confuse Vietnam with Nam. Exactly. <laughs> Which is, is what we talked about before. <laughs> very different Nam. <laughs> <laughs> so when I realized, okay, um, this the, the skill set needed here in farm time is not my skill set. So I hung a shingle. I started a business. I said, I'm going to freelance, I'm going to write. I'm going to create videos. I'm going to create podcasts. Uh, I had some co- some companies already on the line saying, can we pay you as a consultant? We, we need to figure this out, and we need help here. And so I just said, yeah, I'll do that. So I've been doing that for two years, and it's been a lot of fun. I have some cool ongoing uh, podcasts and uh, pieces of content that I write that you could see in the Gazette, in the Corridor Business Journal, and the consulting's been fun. Uh, you know, I've shot a random wedding here and there. You know, I'm still that AV nerd who loves cameras and gear and microphones. I have a crazy side uh, hustle I've told Logan about involving vintage microphones retrofitted to be USB computer microphones. And so that's kind of a, a neat side hustle. And so, if anyone wants to learn more about that, they should go to? I would say the URL if it were ready. But, oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Steve would kill me here because uh, my mentor would say, "Dude, that is not how you do it. <laughs> Have your stuff ready. Share the URL." But well, I'm o- I'm overthinking it. Steve's right. I'm we, overthinking that business. We brought it up before you did, so uh, we're sorry if we jumped the gun a little bit on that. When, when it's ready, let us know, and we'll share it out to the, yeah, to the listeners. We'll do. Add so, it to this. Uh, yeah. Add it to the bio of this episode. We'll go back and, and add it to this episode. Excellent. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of it. I've, I've been freelancing, uh, trying to figure out, mm, okay, I'm moving to Chicago. I'm going to be coming back to Cedar Rapids all the time uh, for clients and just to continue business. So I'll be kind of expanding, I, I guess, my media company, uh, consulting, content creation company in, in two markets. But at the same time, in the back of my head, I'm also wondering, 
does anyone need a hunter? Does somebody mm. need somebody to sit in a chair and just hunt in ideas and roll up the sleeves 80 hours a week and just hit it and create, you know, do that thing that I do? And I'm curious if that's going to come to me. If it does, I just might be tempted in Chicago, right? So we'll see. You're a moth to a flame. <laughs> Can't keep you away. You said 80 hours a week. Is that what you want to do? <laughs> Both of my kids are in college now. And, uh, yeah. you know, I've got... There's so I've many got, movies for you to catch up on. <laughs> I've got this appetite. I feel like, man, shouldn't I be editing something until God, 4 a.m.? You, you are know? a special breed of human, man. You just that, that hunger for work, for good... Work that gives you purpose—that's that's a that's a cool thing to have. Oh, thank you, absolutely. Thank you. Well, we can tell that uh, you are somebody that needs to come back on a regular basis because there's more info in that head, and <laughs> we need to draw it out and share it with all of the listeners of this show and the people in this community. I know you're going to be back often, um, so next time you're in town, please come back on the Friends with Marketing Benefits podcast. It would be my pleasure, and hey, kudos to you guys for creating this conversation that we can all listen to as a podcast. Uh, I love listening and it's a real privilege to be on. Thank you so much. And uh, dear listener, I hope that you will consider listening to this show in the future and sharing it with some friends. Please subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you find your podcasts. This show comes out every single, no, not every single, every, every other, other Thursday. Tuesday. Tuesday. Holy man. <laughs> we changed the schedule. It's now every other Tuesday for this podcast for a while while we ramp back up this show um so subscribe and you'll always know when there's a new one out <laughs> and uh, hopefully we will too <laughs> yeah one of us has to know right right, right. and uh, if you enjoy it please consider subscribing to las plus our premium subscription service ad free versions of this show all of our other shows early access i said the whole thing at the beginning what a way to jump back in joe coffee Joe Coffee. Season 2. I don't know what to call this. Uh, 1.5. Season 1.5. Season premiere. Joe Coffee was our guest. What an amazing amount of knowledge you have. I know I'm smarter than I was 60 minutes ago. (laughs) You guys are too kind. Thank you so much. It's been fun. No you. Yeah. (laughs) We'll talk to you soon. A-S.